welcome to episode eight of the Better Man podcast. And today I'm joined by a good friend, James Sutton, who is also one of the leading coaches at Muscle Mentors and one of my former colleagues at M10. And everyone knows James is an expert when it comes to muscle mechanics, exercise mechanics and understanding the body. But what we're actually talking about today is a lot of different subjects. We range from James's heroes, we range from how to be more productive, how to be more proactive, how to upgrade your mindset, uh, James's beliefs and certain things that James has never really talked about in the podcast. So I hope you really enjoy this podcast and catch you on the other side. And we're live and welcome to episode eight, I think, of the Better Man podcast. And today I'm joined by my good friend, James. Me and James have known each other for, I reckon, about eight years now, James, is it? Eight, nine years? At least. Yeah, it must be. Yeah, it might. He's gone away. Yeah, it must be eight or nine years, man. It soon flies, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, so we used to work with each other at M10. James was pretty much a mentor for me at M10 through his knowledge on everything from biochemistry to gut to uh, in the gym. So, James, I want you to let everybody know a little bit more about yourself if they don't know you or they don't know follow you. So just tell me about who you are and what you do and a little bit about your journey so far. When it comes down to it, I'm a personal trainer at heart. I love one-to-one coaching. Um, I've been in the industry now for 13, 14 years, something like that. Um, like so many coaches out there, I did my spell at a health club, as LA Fitness, for like six years. Um, then had a bit of a crossover where I sort of transitioned to working at M10. Um, and it's an amazing, amazing experience working there with some sort of very like-minded people. And I think that took my passion to another level being alongside people, whereas obviously when I was at health club, I was a lot more on my own, had one or two people back then I spoke to. Social media wasn't the same back in the old days. Um, But then I think that just really took my passion to another level, working alongside people. Then broke through a lot of my own limiting beliefs, stepping on stage, um, teaching in front of almost 100 people uh, with the education program at M10. Um, And then since I left there, year and a half ago um worked alongside myself or worked on my own for a little bit and then joined up uh, with callum callum racer was someone who was at m10 joined up in his company and the muscle mentors just to help deliver education um and then still continue to run my own sort of one-to-one coaching oh awesome so i just want to go back to a few things that you said there because obviously you've achieved quite a lot in what you're doing right and one of the things that i've noticed about you is obviously I can remember when you first obviously joined M10 and I was like, oh my God, this guy's massive. He's six, he's six foot six, six foot seven, really big. But what actually made you get into going into the gym? So, because obviously you've not always been that big. So what was it? Was it uh, that you, I mean, what made you first get into the gym and first get into doing all this kind of stuff? Well, we've got to go back to when I was like, Go back. It's literally going back, it's showing me age, but over 20 years ago, um, when literally I started doing before I'd go to bed every night, max out how many push-ups could I do? Yeah. How many sit-ups, how much sit-ups <laughs> could I do? And I'm sure we've all we've all been there, so many of us, and then we'd get a dumbbell set and we I'd add add in preacher curls to that. <laughs> and it'd just be like with that desire that as a tall, skinny kid, yeah, with lots of potential insecurities obviously around that, uh, I wanted to be bigger. I wanted to have more more presence in a sense, um, started playing sports, started playing a lot of basketball, um, was at that age as well when I was 15, 16, I was playing against guys that were 17, 18, 19, um, and needed that extra size and that extra strength behind me to warrant trying to be able to compete with them. So yes, like probably so many people who got into it, there's certain insecurities when looking back that I really didn't even realize at that age, that mm. I wanted to be bigger, I wanted to have more presence with that, but then it was also massively to help 
my desires, where I was trying to go with sort of sport at that time, where I was trying to take my basketball career. And did you notice it helped you a lot with obviously basketball and it helped a lot with your insecurities? Do you think that getting involved in the gym and building muscle, like you're looking back now, do you think it was a massive step for you to do? Oh, it's huge. And just everything around what I was doing within basketball, um, I think like that's why I think the benefits of anyone who's played elite level sport, whether they make it or don't make it is irrelevant. But the structure, the discipline, the commitment and everything to go and when you say you're going to do something, you follow through. Mm. When you set yourself a training program, when you sit down, write that training program out, map everything out, you follow through with that. Um, so, yes, it helped from a confidence perspective, but it more just helped, I think, from a, from a discipline perspective. And then that carries over to so many other areas of my life. But it helped my performance. Guaranteed, it'll help everyone, I think, performance with sport. Because I knew, for me, the stronger I got, the more explosive I got. And that was one of my keys for being a good athlete, a good basketball player, because I was literally one of the most athletic people on the team. Mm. And I know there's a direct correlation with the stronger I got, the more, the higher I could jump. Mm. The, the quicker I was, the more athletic I was as a defender. Then obviously there's the skill aspect that's totally separate, but I know from a pure performance point of view that the more I trained, the stronger I got, um, the better my performance. Nice. All right. So look, obviously me and you are friends, James, and I, I want to dig a lot really deep in today and go a little bit deeper and probably ask a few questions that you've never really been um, asked before on a podcast. So obviously me and you know each other and we've also always had our own struggles. Um, we've had our own achievements and stuff like that. But is there anything that you're going through right now? Like anything that you've really been dealing with, obviously with the, the coronavirus and, and what's going off, is there anything that you've really been struggling with or had to overcome? Is there anything that you've uh, really, yeah, really have to overcome, really. Well, the, the biggest thing, as I'm sure you're very much aware at the moment, is is how to juggle a family with work. Yeah. For, um, say, 12 years of my personal training career, I've literally been able to work as, as much as I want, yep. really. And a lot of times, you now I'm busy and getting to a point where I was doing, at one point when there was a crossover, when I was working at LA Fitness and M10, was doing 55 up to 60 plus sessions PT a week um, and then as PT sessions dropped down there'd be other commitments that would build whether it be online coaching whether it be education would be writing stuff so literally week in week out it would be 60 plus hour weeks um, whereas now the commitment especially like at this moment in time while we're off or I say off while we're on coronavirus <laughs> um, time commitment wise looking after Jaden a bit more uh, and stuff it's huge and that's the biggest all over these nine months is how to balance that um, and not feel especially with my wife so uh, michelle and not feel like she's being left out she's being left to, to do everything um, and i'm still pulling my weight and doing my doing my part to help out with that and what have you done really to help you with that and put in place like is it certain habits or certain routines that you put in or is it certain like time management things that you've kind of put in it's, to help? oh it's all it's all time management and initially I was like, I'd set time management, but not discuss it yeah. with, with my wife. Um, and then she'd be like, Oh, but uh, why are you working now? So like, at this moment in time, I mean, recently it's sitting down, going through stuff with her, mapping out the week. This is how it's going to look. Um, like in general, my routine at this moment in time is that I get up early, get an hour or so's work done. And then seven till nine, is the time that I'm with Jaden. Mm. So my wife's studying for an interview at the moment, so she needs some time to herself. So I was like, I'll have him for them two hours. 
mm. where I feed him, go out for a walk, play with him for a little bit. Um, but like that's in the diary. That structure today slightly different because we had to change things around schedule-wise yesterday. Um, but obviously we're recording this during that time. But in general, unless there's an exception, like that's booked in, that's done. Um, so in a sense, that's more priority than my clients. Mm. Like them schedules on Sunday, we go through it, map it out. They're booked in, they're prioritized, and then client calls, um, whether it's putting work together, putting presentations together for education stuff I'm doing, um, all that then feeds in on top. But yeah, it's that. It's it's so simple, but so many people don't do it. So many people don't have a structure in place of when they're going to plan stuff out. Yeah, I mean, that, that's me and you were speaking before, and uh, that's one of the biggest things that I find, especially obviously the challenge of being at home. The challenge of the dog barking, the challenge yes. of the, the roving, the crying, of crying, keeping, away. crying away, of keeping, obviously, me and Tara feeling good, still getting the work done, my commitments to my clients, my commitment to my work. And it is really difficult. And especially now when in this panic, fear and uncertainty, we've got all this different stuff going off, all these different emotions. So we have to, um, I always find we have to schedule our time. We have to put certain habits in place to allow us to actually um, make sure we get our workouts in, make sure we get our workout done. Um, and that for me has been the biggest, even more, I thought my routines were really good, but I've had to really home in on them over the last kind of three months, uh, last two months, why all this has been going off. Have you got a routine or like a self-care routine that's like a non-negotiable for you? Like, have you got like, right, I've got to, I'm working out four times a week or I'm doing this with a morning routine. Have you got anything that you usually do on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, say even just touching on that training side of it, for the first probably, well, it's the first three, four weeks where after having Jaden that I didn't train at all. And then it was a bit hit and miss. And it wasn't probably until back end of the year and really coming to this year, I was like, no, that's a non-negotiable. Yeah. I need to train. Whether it's seen as selfish or something like that, that no, I've got to allocate four, four times a week, I'm going to train. And that's still the, like, the same at the moment that, I need that in myself because that's always been like my go-to, my escape. Yeah. Where, um, in a sense, like we can maybe probably delve into it a little bit, but like my meditative practice. Yeah. Where I go and it's an internal focus that I'm really trying to think about everything I'm doing within that. So to keep myself feeling good, I've needed to like, right, I need to allocate that in. I need to place them that in the diary and I need to know when I'm going to do that. And, um, and then... And by yep. you not doing that, James, like how was you feeling at that point? Like, you know, when you wasn't doing the four times a week training at the back end of last year, how was you feeling on a day-to-day -day basis? It just like the, the natural um, endorphins we get when we train, we just, we feel good. Everyone knows that, that after a workout, you feel good. Like we don't need to talk through deep down what's going on, but everyone just, just knows that in themselves. Yes, it might be tough to get it in, to get it going, to get started. But that's why we've got to get in a diary, got to have it planned and be 100% committed to that. It's almost that thing like 99% commitment is a bitch, but 100% is easy. Once <laughs> it's mapped out and planned, then we, we're going to do it. And it's just the fact that I feel better in myself. Um, and then that leads to, and then I'm more productive with work and everything else I'm doing, doing with my clients. But out, like outside of that, in terms of set structure and routine, there's always a bit of a routine in the morning. There's a bit of a morning routine. Um, which honestly I continually review and adapt. It's not like this is a set thing and this is what I'm always going to do and this is always going to be it. It's continually tweaked and changed, depends on like the current situation, hmm. depends on like what's going on with Jaden, by the time he's, he's waking up uh, and so many things. And then there's a bit of sort of a sim thing in the 
that I try always try and map out and map out and plan. I mean, look, you know, as we, we were speaking as well, I'm massively on on routines, but that's got challenged. That's yeah. got challenged with obviously Ruben being born, with um, everything that's going off in the world. But I think there's like a few non-negotiables for me, and I want to hear your thoughts on on what you do as well a little bit deeper. But my thoughts, what I, what I kind of articulate to my clients is that. We have, when we get up, we have to change our state. We have to change our physiology. And we know that from when we did the Tony Robbins stuff, right? Yes. Change uh, state, change physiology. And one of the things I, I, is a non-negotiable for me or two things every morning is one that I put a form of, of stillness in. So like what you said, yeah. being, pre, being present, being in that meditation, uh, being uh, just totally present with what you're doing. So for me, that's either doing journaling, it's either doing yeah. some meditation or just some stretching like this morning. I've done some stretching and breath work, right? So just being present. And then I move. So I move, I do some exercise or I do, yeah, the minute that this morning, it's just been walking my dog. So yeah. if you've got like, I mean, if you've got anything that you really do in that morning, um, that's just always there, no matter what. Cause I know I just want to dig a little bit deeper so we can help yeah. a lot more people as well. I, I can't tell exactly, but I think it is pretty much when I started, whether it's red or whether I went to Anthony Robbins UPW. Yeah. Um, and he talked about that change in the state. Literally 99.9% of the time, every time I wake up, I'll have a shower and then the last minute is cold. Ooh. Like every day without fail, there's, I say without fail, there's been a couple of days when I was in Australia and the temperatures didn't go down or when I've, <laughs> <laughs> something like that, but, or when for some reason Jade has kicked off and I haven't showered. But yeah. literally, like I'd say 99% of the time, that I get up, um, shower, and I have a cold shower. Just change my state straight away you're like oh i feel like you're mm. just alert straight away um and then for me it's more about get some water in get some electrolytes in and have my coffee um and generally have some lion's mane as well uh, just to try and help me sort of focus and then initially i did go with like the meditative practice or journaling but now i'm like no in a sense for me i need to put my sort of my read review plan so I spend sort of half an hour to 40 minutes just reading something, whether it's something I'm studying, whether it's self-development, whatever that is at that moment in time. But like, if I don't do that, then I'll make an excuse and it doesn't get done later on. So like, for me, that's a top priority. I've got to get that in and something over the years growing up, I've always found excuses not to study, not to read. So like, I got to get that in first. Then I plan, plan my day. So I have sort of five minutes where I just map out the day. Then I use the five-minute journal where I just spend five, ten minutes um, going through. And it's, it's an app. I just find, but that's easier because it's got sort of daily a um, affirmations and um, things you're grateful for and stuff like that. So key sort of things to sort of lead you to start thinking. And um, and I don't, in a sense, meditate at them. But the things I'd like to do is almost think about what I want. So I call it like manifestation where I think about the things I want to manifest in my life. Um, and it's literally, it's only spending five minutes doing that, but that's my solid sort of morning routine. Yeah. Um, and then from there, I'm like, right now it's Jaden time at the moment. Yeah. Switch them up. <laughs> so. Do you know what? I love that because obviously one, it's like a tiny habit approach where it's yeah. really simple to do. Cause I, I was speaking, I did a live in my Facebook group today and I said, for you, you can look at someone's morning routine. And I mean, like, when we went to Joe Dispenza, right? Joe Dispenza was like, Oh my god! I do th two hours meditating every morning. You're like, you do just two hours meditating in the morning at half four, um, yeah. and you can look at that and you can get overwhelmed, right? And yes. you can like, I can't do that. And like for me, I really struggled every day to do meditation every morning. 
So it was like, for me, the real simple one, I was just doing like five minute journey, five minute stretching. So like what you've just done there, you've got like a tiny habit approach, which allows you to focus, allows you to be present and allows you to map out your day. So you can be a high performer. So you can actually get done. Because I, I know that from working at M10 with you, James, how hard you work and how much, I, I, I mean, I can remember at M10, there's stuff that we used to study and we used to push each other all the time. We used to study so hard and so much. And I'm interested, what are you really, how's it changed for you? Like, what are you studying more of now? Because I can remember back in the day when we was at M10, it was all uh, about physiology, all about biochemistry, all about the gut, all about the liver. We was looking at all that kind of stuff. But what are you really looking at now then and what are you really focus on now as a coach i think my key sort of area of study these days is anyone who knows me is is exercise mechanics is everything around there and i was like it, it took me a lot of obviously years as you know when we we're studying to realize what the true passion is within this coaching area and there's so many things obviously i'm hugely aware of and know the massive importance in terms of personal development in terms of routines in terms of habits in terms of mindset um, but from a purely sort of deeper level of where I'm studying, it's everything around exercise mechanics. And when it comes down to it, when I was 13, 14 years old and got into training, that was the key thing I loved. And then as I started to educate myself, I started to be pulled off on different tangents in terms of functional medicine, in yeah. terms of the gastrointestinal system, in terms of hormones, yeah. um, in terms of different food intolerances, and you name it, but they're all these down these different rabbit holes. And it comes to a point where I realize that they are so deep and so in-depth mm. that really are we going out of our realm of practice when we try and keep studying that and looking into that. And as coaches, we need to understand a foundational level, not foundational sort of level of knowledge of that stuff. But I think as coaches, where so many people miss, especially people who do the one-to-one -one coaching or face-to-face, -face, they don't understand exercise. And some people think it's so simple and predominantly everyone we train, so even the experienced guys and girls that come to us, they train how they did when they were 15, 16, 17. Uh, and we watch everyone in the gym and they still train that same way. The ego, especially for guys, the ego controls it. Uh, and I say we don't really have an understanding of what's going on internally when we train. Mm. And that's the key, key thing. That's why I say like training is like a meditative practice where we need to visualize everything internally that's happening. And as coaches, we always need to visualize everything that's happening within the joint, as well as within the muscle, what's creating that contraction, and even to a certain extent, what's going on within the machines. So for me, in terms of what I study now, it's hugely around what makes up training. And then from a personal development point of view, it's more around the habits, routines, and then I find myself coaching and um, implementing that that with clients but that's more from me you know, well how can I make myself the best possible version of myself yeah that's where the personal development stuff more more comes into it so I'm not like I'm massively in terms of deeply educated on that it's more just things mm -hmm. that something I learn love and something I've got a passion about to make sure I can come the best best possible so first of all then knowing not what you know now on exercise mechanics how would you train in a change do you reckon you'd reach the NBA <laughs> <laughs> Like when it when it comes down to it, really, yeah. like if we're gonna train hard, we're gonna get results. But yeah. it's the the result that we're getting. Yeah, yeah. And so many times, as young athletes, the result we get is a niggle here or there, or pulled muscle, or mm -hmm. um, maybe we develop a physique, but it's just not aesthetic as like the guys in the magazine or something. So yeah, I, I would have got a result and it might have given me a one, 2% advantage having this understanding. 
But the thing I'm starting to find now that I'm sure a lot of your listeners will be able to relate to is that the body's not what it was when we we're 20, when we we're 25. Yeah. As soon as we get into our 30s, let alone any guys we're coaching them in their 40s that have got an athletic background, things start to break down. There will be arthritic changes in your knees and your joints and stuff, and things won't be um, able to perform like we were when we were in our mid-20s. And a lot of young guys in the industry don't realize that. And they're coaching clients that are 35 and upwards and they don't realize the joint tolerance of them them clients is completely different from that 25-year-old athlete. And let alone the different sort of genetic potential and different genetic structures of individuals. Some people from a very simple point of contact, several simple point, have got high joint tolerance. Their joints can handle constant impact, constant sort of beating up. But a lot of the clients that we're working with that can't quite develop that level of tissue or have struggled in the past, maybe putting on muscle or obviously dropping body fat and just getting into routine because maybe their joints are likely to break down sooner. So like that's the biggest thing really is can we stay in the game? Because if we're broken, we can't continue to train. So uh, the- uh, do you know what, James? I love that, right? Because here's the thing, right? A lot of guys that come to me and you, right? They're going to be in the, in the 20s. They would have maybe played football or played a sport. They would have gone 100%. They would have gone all out. They wanted to yeah. be faster. They want to be stronger. They want to get the physique that they want. Then for whatever reason, either growing the business or the family or life took its toll, they're coming back to this stuff 10, 12, 15 years later, right? Um, they've got a little bit of a belly now. Uh, they're stressed. They're anxious. They're not sleeping well. Um, they've got all these different pressures going off. But the only thing that they can remember is how they trained when they was 23. Yeah, so they go straight back to that, don't they? Yeah. So they go straight back to that. And what happens is because they go from zero to 100, they haven't got the health in order. They haven't got the mind in order. They haven't got the body in order. And they don't know about exercise mechanics. They break down. Yeah. They get injured and, and they, they, they kind of hate training and go, well, I knew this couldn't work for me. And it's a vicious cycle, isn't it? So actually having someone like you as a, an exercise mechanic coach is really going to help them take them through the different phases so they can actually get back to that point, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, completely. Yeah, and there's no reason why we can't get back to the level of the strength or the conditioning or anything we had in our early 20s. A lot of people can go past that once they start getting the other lifestyle things in place. Mm. Um, but it's got to be done in a structured way rather than just going, oh, I'm going to squat, bench press, deadlift, because I did their movements when I was younger. Mm. Now, the body doesn't know movements. The muscles don't know no movements. They only know the forces that are being placed upon them. Uh, and a lot of times that's when we've got to have this educated approach around how we put programs together, how we train to get the best result possible and get that look that we're aspiring to. Um, and obviously, because so many people come to us really to change how they look. And it's only all these extra things that we add into the equation to make sure they can get that end result. Um, so, Karen. I, I, do you know what, James? I, I think it's going to, I can imagine some people joining you and, and like what when they join me, they're going to be surprised about uh, your approach. Because they're probably going to be like, well, hang on, you give me this program, there's four or five exercises on. Uh, I thought I was going to be doing all this kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, rest pausing. I was going to be doing squats. I was going to be doing deadlifts. I was going to do all this. And, yeah. and like I, in my program, I, I call it slingshot phase one because we pull back before we push forward. And we get the body in a good order. We get them doing a lot more aerobic work. We get them fit. And we're priming the body to actually be able to handle all this stuff. So actually... Like what you do, you can take them essentially through four, five, six, seven phases, but you're preventing injury. You're putting the health in order. The well-being is going to be in a good place, and they're going to stop believing themselves, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, completely. 
Yeah. And like as simple as it is that if they succeed at that first phase, yeah, like, yeah, I've achieved that, then that gives them confidence. They move on to the next one. Whereas if we give something to a client that they just can't, yeah, it just doesn't feel right. They feel awkward doing it. They have a few niggles doing it. That's going to knock back their confidence. Yeah. So I always used to say, I know when I was sort of teaching stuff around exercise mechanics, um, and even just when we're delivering sort of coaching sessions one-to-one, that a client should be able to get a movement, should be able to get an exercise within 30, 60 seconds. And if mm. as a coach, they can't get it straight away, we've failed. Mm. It's not on them at all. So understanding exercise progression, but probably more importantly from a deeper level, understanding force progression and regression within exercise is, is huge. But understanding how to progress onto a deadlift. Mm. Like there's so many parts that can build into that that a lot of coaches aren't aware of, and especially a lot of general, general population obviously aren't aware of. Because they just think, yeah, they did the deadlift when they were 18. Now they're 35. They're going to jump back in and do that movement. Mm. Uh, and you've got to do compound movements to get results yeah. that's a lot of things that's sort of traditionally thought within exercise so everyone that joins you james will be surprised when you're getting them carabiners you're getting them daisy chains you get them bands you get them all this kind of stuff but it is it, like i can remember when i was training with you and um like when we trained at legends and was going like we're just obviously getting back into it i'd had a few months off kind of thing and we was doing all these different movements i was like oh man oh this is uh this feels quite nice and we was just doing like three we was just doing single set work wasn't we Three yeah. or four exercise, but was taking it to the maximum intensity at the time. But it was building us up to do more in our programming, so we could get to doing uh, the actual movements that we want to do at a later at a later point. So, James, I want to ask you, right? How is your uh, relationship uh, with health and fitness changed over the years? From when you was like, uh, from when you first started in the industry, how has things changed for you? Uh, it's like initially early on for me, my key thing was about how could I be as big as possible? How could I be as lean as possible? And everything was based around, around that. Um, straight away when we started M10 together, say within three months or so, we'd had a photo shoot booked and that was the goal. And then yeah. I think like for the five years or so after that, preceding that, it was all about, let's book another photo shoot. Let's, yeah, yeah. What's, the, what's the goal to push me outside my comfort zone above that? Um, and now everyone seems to be doing it, but at that point in time, it's like, okay, let me compete. And I was now as the first one, like an M10 to compete. So straight away, it's like, what can I do that in a sense, I'm seen as this manager or the senior figure at M10 to keep me pushing past my boundaries um, of where I feel comfortable. And the fact at that point, I hadn't ever spoke in front of more than five or 10 people, let alone stood on the stage in my pants in front of a fair few hundred people. Um, so that the, the key thing there was early on and say as I was at M10 was all about how can I really reach the elite of what my physique is potential of whereas now in a sense it's really about how can I hold to everything how can I maintain stuff while optimizing what I'm doing within training to make sure that for me my goal in terms of like I've got clarity and where I want to be with this my goal is that when Jaden's 15 when Jaden's 20 he ain't beating me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can train with him. I can go in the gym. I can start yeah. taking him through some stuff. Um, I, I want to be that dad who's able to train with a son. Right, so I've got clarity in terms of where I want to be with this. And everything that I do now is about getting the optimum results I can training wise, but in as efficient time as possible. And I still allocate yeah. a fair bit of time to it. 
um, but still giving myself time to build my business, keep that pushing forward and then spend lots of time family wise. So like previously my goals around fitness were purely aesthetic and partly it was whether it's purely ego based to how strong can I get? How much can I, how lean can I get? Um, and I say with that, there was certain things stepping outside my comfort zone to give me goals to work towards. But now it's about how can I hold on to this? Because anyone who knows that's been an athlete that's been in great shape mm. and then has hit mid thirties will know that it's not so much about always progressing and pushing things forward. It's making sure that you don't go backwards. Um, so like I say anyone who's reached that elite, they'll realize that your physique is one thing within our life. I think that I don't want to sound a negative way that we can't continually push on forward. It's just being realistic about it. Business always growing. I say family life, I say our relationships, they're always progressing, they're always growing. Um, but ourselves is growing in a different way. It's growing with how we do stuff. It's growing with a deeper understanding of why we're doing stuff. But purely from an aesthetic point of view in terms of numbers, body fat percentage, lean mass, that's not necessarily growing on the scales or the mm. percentage, but it's just growing in terms of it changes how we do stuff. So it grows in a completely different way. Yeah, I want to go back to a few things there. So number one, how do you kind of look back at that competing stage now? Do you think it gave you what you needed from it, first of all? And uh, secondly, like it, when we worked at M10, it was a really, it was a great ego-based environment because it served us well to one point where we all pushed each other. Yeah. We smashed the gym. James, you're doing 110 on incline bench. I'm doing 120. Like, <laughs> it, was always, it was always pushing like this. And, and where now, like, how do you feel that that kind of set you up? Like in terms of the, the competing, the photo shoots, did you feel like you got everything out of that that you wanted or how does that live up for you now? Yeah, I think it's a box that I needed to tick just from a personal achievement point of view. There's a certain, I'd say, look that I aspired to. Did you get ever that? since? Yeah, I did. Um, ever since I was 15, 16. Yeah. There's a certain like muscle model type look. The, that I wanted and then something I always aspired to that, that I achieved. So in a sense, I can tick that box, but it's, it's not so much the fact that, yeah, I achieved that goal. Like, as you know, it's the fact of who did I become? What yeah. things were put in place to achieve that? The levels of discipline, um, the commitment, the short-term restrictions in terms of resisting certain food, even resisting certain things socially and stuff like that to achieve that end goal. And that's no different to the discipline that now I've got to transition a bit more into business side. There'll be certain times that I can't spend time with Jaden. And I've got to say, babe, the reason I'm doing this is obviously like we've talked about these things in the future. We've mapped stuff out this weekend. I'm working all weekend. So the discipline that I've used in training to achieve a certain result has now just been transferred in other areas of my life. Um, so no, it's definitely a, a goal that I set out to achieve or a vision that I probably never thought was possible when I was younger, mm. that I needed to tick that off, but then I needed to step outside my comfort zone. Initially, as I said previously, it's about stepping on stage in front of hundreds of people. And then from there, things that Mark really helped me with, Mark, Mark Coles at M10 really helped me with was then presenting in front of people. It's like almost just pushed me into it that I started presenting in front of 20, 30, 50 80 people. Um, so they were all things that I needed to do to grow as a person and come over, in a sense, limiting beliefs that I had as myself um, as a kid when I was growing up as a teenager. What do you think the next thing is for you? Because obviously we've done the competing, 
we've done the photo shoots, we've hit those kind of mountains, we've hit those peaks. The next thing is you've done this presenting and you've, yeah. you've achieved that, you're an amazing presenter and anyone that does should go to Muscle Mentor Courses and actually see how you present. But what's next? Like, what's the next mountain? How do you kind of keep yourself, like, pushing yourself to get to that next one, that next mountain as it is? Yeah, and like, that is a tough thing that I'm not going to lie to you in a sense over these last probably six months or so. Yeah. I'm like... I've done this, I've competed, I spoke in front of him and all these things that I had on my vision board and then sort of, um, not that like a purely vision board is then going to make things come reality, but all these things that I envisioned, all these goals that I had in terms of having a certain car, having a certain house, having kids, um, achieving certain things with my business, achieving certain financial goals. I'm like, tick, tick, tick. <laughs> like, you get to a point where it's like, shit, what's, what's next? Yeah, yeah. What are we going to achieve? And it's just, setting sort of bigger goals um in terms of putting myself out out there more in terms of how i'm presenting stuff how i'm teaching things at the moment like it's creating sort of education online which is a completely new thing and trying to present to a camera is completely different to trying to present to 30 40 50 people because you've got the vibe of everyone there and it's a completely different experience but trying to give across education and knowing how to deliver it so people can take it on board um in front of a camera is completely different as well so um for me it's it's still more like set structure in terms of how i'm mapping stuff out to then keep pushing pushing forward and like the, the goals just get sometimes get bigger but then as well it's making sure that yeah it's, it's not just about having a bigger car having a bigger house having these bigger shinier objects yeah it is it's about well how can i put things in place to spend weekends with Jaden whereas so the, the goals shift a little bit that yeah it's not about more 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 it's about how can I get things in place to have more family time mm. uh, more of the memories whereas before it was about well how can I in a sense own this uh, and I think we've sort of got to tick that box off to not realize that it's everything mm. and like, a lot of people who I think people who grow up around money and say oh it's not about about money Money gives us the ability to experience um, different things. So I think to feel like we'd be successful or to be successful within in life, there's a certain amount of that we need. Um, so yeah, it's just keep setting goals, keep building stuff. And like, I'm not someone who likes to talk about loads of stuff in terms of goals or what I want. I yeah. just like, like to happen because um, sometimes I think there's certain ways that they say, yeah, I'm going to, do this within my business and I brag about this and then it never happens. Yeah. A lot of people speak about opening up their own gyms, setting up different things, facilities, just doing different things. And then like it never happens. Yeah. So I don't speak too openly in a sense about some of the bigger goals I've got. And um, I just try and sort of let my actions um, speak for them. Yeah, I'm going to go back as well, just to something you said, I mean, as well, about your, you know, when you was competing, first of all, and we'll come back to this. So when we was competing, right, and you said an amazing thing that uh, what it built in for you was daily discipline. What it yeah. built in for you was daily commitment. Uh, yeah, it built in your habits. It upgraded your mindset. You it may give you that hard working aspect to your life. And I think for people listening, that, that should show you that that's like your vehicle to change him 
every single aspect of your life because if you're putting in having that daily discipline that daily commitment you've got better habits and routines you and your heart starts to happen when you do this daily it starts to transform your belief and confidence and like what you said you tick that box then it was like right i'm going to present then i'm going to do this i'm going to do that and gradually over time when you keep fortifying that and doing it every single day you just start to know that you just develop and and, and change as a person and i notice this like I, me and you have been open and honest like when I did the photo shoots in 2012 to 16 or whatever, looked great. But then I'd have these cycles where I wouldn't look great and I'd put loads of weight on or whatever. And it's always going back to that. I had a reflection point about a month ago, writing everything down. And I was like, right, what have you stopped doing from 2016, 17? Right, and you've, you've had all this stress and anxiety going, what have you stopped doing? We've well, stopped doing these five or six things that were serving you so well. When you look your best, even though you don't want to look like that no more, and you're not bothered about that aspect, but these five or six things are going to serve you so damn well for every single aspect of your life. And if we can go back to that and realign and refocus and remind ourselves of that every single day, we'll start to change and your business will improve, your confidence will improve, your belief will improve. And we all have those period of times. Like that's why I'm glad you said that. We're, we're, not, we're not always high performing. And let's not bullshit everyone and say we're motivated all the time. We're not. But you've got to go back to the basics of, right, how can I step out of this? Um, I've got to realign. I've got to be aware and do audits. I've got to be in a new environment with new people. Um, and I think that's probably why it helps you because you're with um, a lot of the muscle mentors, guys. So you've got your environments, those people that can push you and get you back on track, I suppose. Have you found that? Oh, yeah, yeah, completely. And just touching on that point you were saying then there, that I, I love my time in when I was on a health club at LA Fitness um, years ago, but I did like a six seven year or so five six year spell there and i was like i need to change my circumstances and it's a similar thing when i was at m10 it's amazing while i was there six years or so and i was like i just feel like i need something different and then i had to completely change the thing so i was sitting back realizing and thinking okay where do we want to take this um do we need a new challenge and for me the biggest thing within my challenge was like well can i sort of go out on my own and not have the back in of the massive business that is M10 behind me. And I know obviously you experienced, experienced that as well. Uh, but I think like the biggest thing that so many people think, oh yeah, well, I want to have balance. Um, I don't, I don't want to be in too good a shape or I don't want to have too much muscle. Like, no, really, like, if we want to achieve anything that's above average, it's not about balance. Mm. And there'll be certain times that we, when we are going to have balance, but the majority of our lives, certain things are going to be pushed out. Pushed out. Mm. And there's always three areas we've got to think about. And it's something Anthony Robbins always talks about. There's a sort of our work, ourselves, um, and then I'll say our families. Mm. And with each one of them, like to excel at work, to excel at our business, that's got to be pushed. And certain things are going to be pulled back with the time that we spend with our families. If we want to excel in our own physiques, if we want to go through a quote-unquote transformation, like that is going to have to take priority. Mm. Uh, and there may be certain things where, no, I can't do this social event at the weekend because I've got to get some other things in, whatever they may be to try and get yourself in shape. So knowing that them three areas of our life have got to be aware of, uh, and we've got to sit down seasonally and go through, okay, what's the focus going to be on? What am I really going to try and push? And like, even I think I said to you earlier in the week that for the first week or so of lockdown, um, 
I was just procrastinating a lot and I wasn't productive and just things weren't getting done. I was like, oh yeah, it was great. I could do this and do this. And I found myself just not doing anything. Mm. Um, so no, it's definitely not that it's always the case that these things always get, get done. Um, but it's been knowing that a lot of times that I say, if we've got things structured, if we've got routines in place, we're more likely to follow through with it. 100%. I like that because you've got to have awareness to actually what's what's going off and, and actually being okay with that. And one of, um, I don't know if you've watched, have you started watching the uh, Michael Jordan thing on Netflix? <laughs> Mate, I literally watched the first one last night. One of my clients was telling me about it and I was like, well, I haven't even noticed that. I, I try and stay off anything <laughs> like that. And I was like, I hadn't even been aware of it. I was yeah. like, mate, that's sick. Let me get Jaden to sleep. <laughs> Let me make sure he's asleep and I'm going to sit and watch that for 45 minutes. And I like what you said because it is, you know, like when you read about Michael Jordan or you read about Kobe Bryant, they've got that sole focus. We always know yeah, that you're on that court yeah. at half four in the morning and they yeah. put their all into that one thing. So these other things took a back seat and the advice is yeah. in other areas of their life, right? And it's yeah. exactly the same with us. Like when we've achieved that body, we put that first. Then the last few years, it's been business and the body's took a back seat. Yes. And it's, it's kind of like you have to be aware of certain things that's going off. But yeah, you'll love the... In fact, James, I'm going to go on to this. Who are your heroes? Like, what heroes have you got in, whether it's going to be sport, whether it's going to be fitness? Like, who are the people that you looked up to and, and why did you look up to them and what aspects did you like about them? Oh, mate, that's a tough one. <laughs> to come up with um, <laughs> set heroes. And depending on the era of my life, um, thing, things changed when I was playing a high level of basketball. Things were obviously a lot related to that. When I got into the competing side world, the things on there. But I'll stay present, really, like at this moment in time. Me. From educate. Pardon? Me. Yeah, you. You know, you're my hero. <laughs> <laughs> um, at this moment in time, from an education point of view, Michael Gordon in London, I stay study with massively, Tom Purvis in the States, in Oklahoma. Um, and everything around RTS. So from an education point of view, are there from a, honestly, like people aren't going to know them, but from a personal development point of view, like some of my clients, yeah, like the conversations I'm able to have with them. And that's like still from even a selfish point of view is why I don't want to stop one-to-one -one coaching is because the network of people I have around me, yeah, like they're hugely successful businessmen and some mm -hmm. women as well. Uh, in terms of where they've taken their, whether it's an entrepreneurial business, where it's a business with two, three, four hundred people, where it's a business that turns over a hundred mil, like there's and like the, the lessons they can give me is is huge, and something I know that you're aware of with some of the clients that you coach. But I think from a um, like for me looking up to people and seeing, okay, they've achieved this. Hmm. That's for me what's possible. And I think that was the thing that for me that as I started to charge more within my coaching and started to bring in a certain type of clientele, that the, your circle of influence, your circle of, I say, friends, associates, start stepping up and you're like, the things that you didn't even envision possible, now you're like, oh yeah, that, that may be an issue, that may be possible. And that's what's I've going on a tangent here. But that's why I think I'm very wary for myself of setting five-year goals setting 10 year goals and that's something that within the personal oh yeah you've got to have this vision of where, where's your goal what's your goal going to be in five years i couldn't envision being where i'm at now five years ago let alone 10 years ago trying to envision what i've achieved over these last say 10 years in my career with presenting with stepping on stage 
with even financially bringing in certain incomes. Um, so like, I think that being around people who are successful, that's, that's the key thing within this. I constantly staying in contact with coaches like yourself. And like, shit, Danny's achieving this. I gotta make sure I stay on my game. Mm -hmm. I gotta make sure I keep pushing forward. Um, so it's not directly answering your question there. Because <laughs> it just shows you though as well, like obviously circle of influence is so important. And I always say to people like your environment is your people and your places. So make sure you're putting yourself in a high performing or high achieving environment, uh, making sure you're surrounding yourselves with these kind of people. And obviously a lot of your clients are doing really, really well. And that's what allows you to kind of keep pushing it and keep driving you on. Obviously the people around you in terms of uh, like, like Callum and everyone and, and Lou, they're doing really, really well. And it keep pushes everyone on. And that's what's going to make us a better coach. And sometimes we always need to, uh, you mentioned this earlier, we always need to step up. When we get too comfortable, we need to step up. We need to step yeah. up into a new environment. And that's what's something I'm making sure that I'm in different masterminds, right? And when I get caught, I'm like, right, Danny, you need to go into another mastermind. Right, do this one. And I just start to learn off these people. Bring that into my own coaching practice, and then I level up again. And it's so important that we keep striving for that and we keep work, work, working for that. What sports stars, James, were, I want to know, what sports stars were really big for you back in the day? Like, who was, was it like Michael Jordan or someone like that or Kobe Bryant or... Well, yeah, early on, so when I started, Michael Jordan, because he was just finishing his career then. Um, but, like, yeah, not going to lie, Kobe, um, God bless him, I say he was, like, I said a similar age or so, but as I was, like, 17, 18, really getting into it, um, that's when Kobe had just entered the league and stuff. So there's definitely some someone I, I aspired to um, and looked at, obviously looked up to. What uh, did you like about them in particular? Was it their hard work and ethos was it um like or what was it that really inspired you oh just how good they were <laughs> like I, honestly from a, such a superficial level early on it was was how good they are mm. and it's not until you start to look back and understand more about them that you knew like starting to watch that jordan documentary that he was saying i think like the first game they had on the road or something he was saying that he heard a little noise coming from another hotel room knocked on the door and everyone was in there yeah. all the rest of the team were in there doing drugs different things and he was like <laughs> i need to get out and like that's something that not even knowing that he had them certain qualities and then the next day be in the gym first thing so i didn't even look at it at a deeper level when i was a teenager like i'm not gonna not gonna lie everything was so in a sense superficial and i think it is for so many of us yeah, yeah. If, if someone's saying at that age at 16 years old they're thinking oh yeah it's purely because of work ethic that's why i look up to this guy um and it was like for me early on if anything it was more the coaching or the coaches that i had playing basketball that started to implement some of the strategies that yeah you're going to get up early you're going to go and shoot 200 shots yeah. then you got training after college and then you've got your evening weight session and stuff as well. They're the ones that started to implement that discipline that I knew it would take to become an elite level athlete. And obviously now you see what these guys do is just another level. Again, they've just taken it to an extreme. And um, that's what I was saying where it's talked about that balance thing. Mm. For them to get there, they had balance in certain areas of their, their life. And for us to have balance potentially now, we've had to put in the work, work before. 100%. Do you know what, mate? I, uh, I'm going to let you into something. So one of my, uh, just off the back of what you just said, one of someone that I look up to is Dwayne Johnson, right? Yeah. And he's kind of, and it's like a thing in, 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 in what Tony Robbins done. He said about remodeling and modeling yourself on 
on these kind of people, right? And I think if we can, like every morning, I always ask myself, what would Dwayne Johnson do? <laughs> right? yeah. Like, what would Dwayne Johnson do this? And as soon as we can kind of create, if we have like this almost like alter ego thing, or we look up to that person and we say, well, what, what would they do? How would they perform? How would they deal with this situation? Like, I look at Dwayne Johnson and I see he's up at three o'clock. I see how hard he's working. I'm going, why am I complaining about getting up at five o'clock? Like, this guy's working. <laughs> this guy's working at three o'clock. And I think it's always good to have someone that we can model. Because if we modeled Kobe's, Michael Jordan, Dwayne Johnson's habits, work ethic, belief, mindset, blooming out, we're going to be in a good position. <laughs> you're, yeah. not, you're not going to be far off at all, are you? Yeah, yeah, completely. So what do you think then, James, right? What's the main thing that you see holding guys back from achieving the results that they want right now? So when people inquire into you, what do you think is the biggest limiting factor to why they're not going to get results or change? I said that there is that, that clarity of why they're doing this. Yeah. And I think like, it's not enough of a sort of a character really drive them short term, but they need that clarity. Like I was saying for myself that I need that clarity of, okay, my goal is to stay in the game for 15, 20 years so I can beat Jaden. So I can outperform him. So I can, so I've got that, that bond there that I know we're going to have where like, he'll potentially get into, or he may not get into training. Who knows? Um, but I've got that clarity long-term, but that's, still not enough so our clients need that yeah okay like your daughter's going to get married in five years potentially she's going to be at that age are you going to be in shape at a wedding or even if it's your say your daughter or your son's um going to get married in in 20 years whatever it may be are you going to be alive like are you able to walk your daughter down the aisle whatever it may be getting these certain emotional responses um they're great and we need them there and we need to make clients in a sense of where of being aware of them and why we were trying to really achieve this and why we're trying to work on all areas of our life rather than just trying to get a picture for a 10-week transformation mm. like that's the first thing that we need to make them aware of we need to just have a bit of a discussion about of and a chat through but then from there it is giving them short-term goals things that they can work towards so they've got that set set purpose really and say it's the short-term goals but long-term vision but, yeah, I think that's key do you know what I love that James because that's really something that I work on as well is that yes we've got these short-term milestones which are great because every time that you hit that milestone as well like that builds up your belief and your confidence if someone's at a 46 inch waist right now and they want to get playing sprinting like they used to in the 20s they can't see how they're going to get back there but yeah. as soon as they start seeing hitting those little milestones it starts to build up the belief and the confidence and I think 100% what you said as well is by giving someone that clarity, giving someone that roadmap of like, hey, this is going to be a two-year journey. Yeah. These are the milestones, or this is going to be a 10-year journey. These are the milestones that we've got to hit at each point. And my job as a coach and as a leader is to keep you accountable to that and is to keep you moving forward. And I think that's what separates like, and makes you like one of the best coaches in the UK, James, because you can actually show someone, hey, look, this is the roadmap. These are the milestones that you've got to hit to get this result. My job is to coach and lead you. Yeah. And I think a lot of people get stuck because they're just going, right, I'm just going to do a check-in and um, I've just got to lose a little bit of weight here. But they don't know where they're going or what they should be achieving. And that's why having a coach to lead them is so important. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny the different ways your client works to get them drawn in in terms of that long-term vision. And a, a few of my clients that I've run, run blood work with and they've seen certain markers are off. And as I said to... And they're like, your triglycerides are sky high. 
mm. uh, you are in potential risk of having different health complications in 10, 15 years. We need to work over these next three, six months of getting these numbers, numbers down. Um, so it's not just always from a purely aesthetic yeah. point that we're going to work on. It sometimes it is looking at a deeper, deeper level um, just to get enough drawing and get enough, enough buy-in. But that's the key, key thing that we're finding some way for them to really stay with the process and start to realize the importance of all these other areas we talk about. Because once they're in it, once they're implementing them, once they're seeing the benefits of it, they're going to love it and they're going to feel better. 100%, man. Initially, it's, it's getting that buy-in. Do you know what, mate? 100%. Now, that's why I said to you, like, um, especially in month one, like, I get everybody tracking certain markers. So whether it's going to be the sleep, whether it's going to be HRV and heart rate, whether it's going to be blood glucose, if they can't afford any testing or whatever, right? But that gives them awareness. Because if their blood sugar levels are in a pre-diabetic range or whatever, and their HRV is super low, they're going, oh, shit. I, okay, I didn't realize I was this ill. Because they, they only understand it from an emotional standpoint where they're like, I'm okay. I'm, I can deal with this shit. But actually, when you kind of lift the hood up of the car and go, well, actually... <laughs> there's some shit going off here right now so like what you said there you give your clients awareness of this is what's going off with your health this is month, this is what we've got to do let's focus on getting this right first then we can start to look at more of the aesthetic kind of stuff and and, and i think always i love that because that's something that i'm big on as well is let's get your health right first and let's get you in a good place then we can look at all this other stuff but, yeah, yeah completely and especially because your clients are high performance clients they want more energy. They want yeah. better well-being. They want to feel better. So it's something that you've got to work on with a, a lot of people that a lot of people don't do right now, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, completely. Like even just as a fine example from a guy I was doing a check-in with earlier, um, he was saying how he's waking up consistently sort of 10, 15 minutes before his alarm. Yeah. Previously, he used to give himself seven and a half, sort of close to eight hours sleep. Yeah. Um, but he was there working till late. He didn't have a set structure in the evening. Um, so we implemented like blue blocking glasses. We said 8 p.m. screens go off. Uh, you spend some family time with your girlfriend. You read a book. You do something. Uh, we implement certain things in the morning. And before he knows, like now, he feels like seven hours sleep, and he's just wide awake, ready to go. So I've allowed him to be more productive by getting these routines in place. There's so many times people think, oh yeah, I'm going to have less time because you asked me to do this, do this, do that. Whereas no, like the sleep you're going to be getting isn't about getting more sleep, it's about getting more efficient sleep. Mm. And that's no different with so many other areas, whether it's training-wise. I'm not asking you to train more, we're just going to make this training more efficient. Mm. And that's the key thing with all areas, that whether it's food prep. Oh, it's going to take me ages to <laughs> prep food. No, it's not. Like, once we get some routines in place, once we like get some meals that you like, look at stuff that you feel your body needs, it's going to be an efficient process. And when we can get all them things to work in together, then we're just going to free up more time, more availability uh, for our clients so they can achieve, obviously, them, them high-level results. Final question, because I know you've got to shoot, right? So what, what you touched on it a little bit there, but what can people really, really do, you know, when they want to sleep better? Because this is a big thing for people right now. They're really stressed. They're not sleeping very well. What are a few things that, I don't know, like three to five tips that you'd give someone that really want to sleep better? Or It's mapping, like, as we touched on already, it's mapping out the first thing in the morning, last thing at night. So yep. first thing in the morning, especially at this time of year, it's amazing. Get out, get some sunlight exposure early on. Yep. Um, it might seem odd to anyone who hasn't heard of it and been aware, but get some contact with the earth. So do some grounding. 
Yep. Where ideally getting your bare feet in contact, whether it's grass, concrete, anything like that. that even if you can just do them two things early on in the day, then that's going to then help at the other end with sleep. So well, I'd say in terms of later on in the day, give yourself a deadline for when you turn your phone off. Not even turn it off, but you just put it to the side. There it goes on night mode or screen time thing comes up where it shuts off all the apps. Um, as a lot of people sort of go against it, but get some blue light blocking glasses. I use some Monterrey optics, which are expensive. Um, but like that stops all that light exposure from the screens because that's one of the biggest things that reduces the quality of our client's sleep. So I'd say giving themselves a set time when they're going to switch off devices or just not look at devices and stick with that. Even with, there'll be some exceptions work-wise, business-wise, when things are kicking off, shit's kicking, so it's going to the fan. But majority of the time, we've got a set schedule we've got to stick with. So combination of that and minimizing light exposure, um, they're the lifestyle things that straight away, then a couple of things there can improve the quality of sleep. Awesome, love that. So just to remind everyone that's listening, so uh, sunlight exposure in the morning, grounding in the morning, make sure we're turning our phone off or having some time away from the blue light exposure. Um, so we could obviously have an hour pre, if you were going to bed at 11, try and quit it off at 10 or whatever like that. Have a set routine, always kind of try and sleep at the, the same time. Um, and also, I mean, and that, that's mainly the lifestyle things that people should work on. If they're not doing any of that right now, don't worry about supplements, don't worry about any of that. Just focus on the lifestyle things first and they'll make a massive change. Yeah, completely. Well, James, I have loved having you on, mate. This has uh, been brilliant. I think there's going to be a lot of nuggets in here to absolutely uh, to help everyone. But if people uh, want to reach out to you and they want to find you, where can they do that? Uh, social media, Instagram. Predominantly use Instagram these days. Yeah. Uh, it's James underscore the muscle mentors. Uh, so you can find me on there. I'm not going to lie. I go through phases where I post quite a bit and other phases where work kicks off, family life kicks off and I don't put so much out there, but <laughs> everything really on there, a lot of it is about exercise mechanics based stuff um, for the coaches that I coach and um, for the stuff around the education portal. So I run an education portal um, with another couple of guys, uh, the muscle mentors. So the website's the muscle uk, and we do run courses and education as well, but obviously at the moment that's all put on hold. So I say just either head over to my Instagram or check out the website. Thank you, James. And we'll speak soon. Will do, mate. It's a pleasure.